Welcome reanimated fans to this week's episode. I'm H.A. Conrad here in Brooklyn, coming to you with my intrepid co-host Stuart Tiffin on the on California side of things. How are you how are you today, Stuart? Doing great. Yeah. Welcome. Woohoo. Um, so we have some news items today, and then we're gonna get into sort of the uh, the mid-season premiere of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, and just big big old spoiler alert here, because it doesn't air actually until tonight, we get the special extra early uh, viewing because we're both uh, AMC Plus members. But um, So just throwing it out there in case you haven't watched it yet, just wait to listen to this until you see it. Um, just And we'll put another spoiler alert, I think, in before we start our review. <laughs> but... Um, so excited to talk about that with you, Stuart. But in you know, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, COVID, where we are with the vaccination stuff, and uh, the good news is that yes, as of yesterday, and yesterday this was like a one day record: four point six million people uh, got vaccinated, got a dose of the vaccine yesterday, which is a record, and um, that is very good news. Um, here in New York, the numbers, the percentages of people vaccinated are going up. Tremendously, um, in my neighborhood, apparently over fifty percent of people here have gotten at least one dose, which is pretty significant. Um, and the viral cases in my neighborhood are way down compared to the rest of the state. So that's probably indicative of the the vaccination rate. And I think if everybody continues to do this, maybe we'll see some progress there. Um, in the bad news category o- across the U.S. Um, the rates of COVID positivity tests are going up and also hospitalizations. And it especially is hitting younger adults, which is basically the part of the population that hasn't been vaccinated yet. So that's Mm -hmm. not good news. Um, And then the other part is that um, the overall variant or that the that is sort of predominant right now um, is the B.11, which is the, I think, the UK variant. Um, and this is a more more catchy, basically. And so they think that yeah, there's... super contagious, but not as fatal. Is that right? I'm not sure about that. But, um, you know, the I think one of the... And I think part of what is feeding this, and this is just totally my own, um, like, subjective thoughts on this, is that I think things have been lifting, um, as we've been talking about, especially, like, you know, the weather's getting nicer. I think people are out and doing more things. And I also think that some people who are vaccinated are not necessarily taking the precautions that they probably should. Um, Mask wearing is still very high in my neighborhood. Um, People, I think, are still being careful. Um, But again, we had to, you know, go into into Manhattan yesterday and not quite as much mask wearing. So it's kind of clear why my neighborhood is doing a little bit better. And I think it's because both people are getting vaccinated, but also people are still adhering to all the precautions. Um, so I think that you're not seeing that in other parts of the U.S. How, it, how is it in California at this point? Um, the, we, we Locally, we're tracking four different variants, I think, but only like one or two cases with each. Hmm. Uh, and that includes the, the so-called California variant the uk and south african maybe they're yeah but they're they're not like a major concern other than in our ongoing efforts to get people to keep staying masked up and like to to uh, prevent those spreads uh yeah like it's because testing has gone down so much also with the onset of the vaccine and people not really caring anymore it's harder to track the Mm. variants you know so they could be out there in the community and they most certainly are because they haven't been able to find like real 
good contact tracing for how these people necessarily got these variants too. Mm. So that's that's kind of a, a bummer. We're, the messaging is always like, oh, please, please go get tested. And people are like, uh, I have, I'm vaccinated. Why the hell did I get vaccinated if I still have to get tested for COVID? This is, yeah. It's dumb. And so it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough battle to, to fight. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of that. So, um, but you know, one of the things that has been kind of, uh, circulating in the news is that, um, especially as it relates to younger people, um, and it is that some of the universities are coming out with statements that they are going to require vaccinations, um, BU, Northeastern, Brown have all come out with statements, and um, BU especially, you know, they have a pretty large international student population, and so one of the things and questions that have come up is whether they will accept other vaccinations other than, you know, the ones that that we know of in the U.S. and in the U.K., which are like, um, yeah, so basically, will they accept vaccination um, proof of anything other than Pfizer, Moderna? or um, Johnson & Johnson, which are the ones that are being used in the U.S., and they have said that, yes, they will, though they haven't specifically said, like, whether they would accept, say, Sinovac or um, any, uh, you know, the, which is the vaccine from from China, I believe. And um, so, so I think that they're probably waiting to see if there's, like, more indication, but they may require that people have to get other, like, how do you do that? Do you require that they get another vaccine? I don't know. It's going to be an interesting to see Oof. thing to see. But look, hey, I think that the universities are correct in requiring this because, um, as we've seen with other things, they require vaccination proof for for lots of stuff. Like you had to, you have to provide all the normal vaccinations. So I think they're just saying that this is just one more, basically. So unusual, certainly, but I don't, you know, I think that this is something we'll probably see from the majority of universities to try to help curb the spread. And, you know, look, I, I think that college students want to get back on campus and to be able to do that safely, I think you do have to require it. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, yep, that's going to be an interesting and very contentious issue as we move through this, just passports in general. Right. Uh, so that will be, that will be interesting to see. Um, so, um, I think that we have a couple of little news items. Um, yeah, the first one I'd like to, uh, to bring up here is the, um, the fact that, uh, so you, last last week on Reanimated, we talked. Uh, I talked a lot about my incredulity that Laura was the first savior, and and how you know glad I was to see her, and how it looked like just the the ramifications of this. And um, I had not read the, I think it was like a side product that came out called Here's Negan uh, that Kirkman put out right like during the run of the comic. yeah something like that. I never read it, and and that's kind of on on that's like my bad. I feel like I I stopped reading those comics uh, around a, episode a hundred and something. I like did not. Carl, I'll, I'll I'll own up to the fact that I did not read it either. <laughs> but um, so I feel bad that I never read that. But in, so in that it was actually Dwight who was featured as his first like contact. Who who is also then in the future a savior, and so they and the show intended to use Austin, uh, ooh, Amiello, Amello, I yep. forget how what his last name is, but they intended to use the actor who plays Dwight in the uh, extended, you know, season ten season, but then uh, because of COVID and scheduling, they couldn't get him, and that's kind of that's kind of sad. 
Although it also wouldn't have made a huge amount of sense given the way that they've developed that character for me with Sherry and uh, Sherry's sister. Yeah. And and he felt like, yeah, like when we run into him, when Daryl meets him in the woods, that version of Dwight is like this innocent in a way, right? I mean, he's got this, he's got these uh, ghosts of he's terrified of the saviors and they've already run away from Negan. Right. It, it, yeah, it doesn't really jive with me. I and mean, when we first meet Laura, well, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue, so we don't really get to know her, but she already seems kind of like a scary badass. Yeah. And, you know, you can kind of see tendencies where she's probably going to develop later. And, uh, you know, she's just sort of like a take no prisoners kind of a person. And this is just what we have to do, t- taking care of business to survive. Um, so I kind of I didn't mind them. You know, obviously, I didn't know that that's what they altered, but I think that that probably it was. And also, it was nice to see her again. And I hope they maybe do. We get to see a little bit more of her story. So we get to bring her back again. So there's been a few headlines suggesting that they could do a savior spinoff. But hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, about know that. what kind of legs that would have. We spent enough time with that group, frankly. Yeah, I don't think we need to do that. But who knows? Um, but anyway, I think that that's, you know, I think it made sense what they did. And I kind of liked the fact that that they included her. So I have no issue with that. Um, and next up, you found this thing about Invincible. Well, shoot, I've just been I've been watching Invincible. Maybe oh, I haven't, haven't watched it yet. So, oh, I'm... my goodness, gravy. It's coming out once a week. It's it's not something you can binge yet. So I know that your MO is that you like to wait until they're all out and then watch them all. And yeah. I, so I think that's probably a good a good take. This is Kirkman's new animated show based on the comic that he has um, put out about superheroes. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's really, really good. It's it's actually in like the top ten of Rotten Tomatoes TV shows right now. Um, and what the th- the most notable thing that I wanted to at least bring up is the cast. It is an insane cast of actors. Yep. We already talked that Stephen Yoon was like the lead. He's he's Mark Grayson. He's the he's kind of the hero, but yeah, it's a show about heroes. His mom is Sandra Oh. His dad is J.K. <laughs> Simmons. Uh, you've got Walton Goggins is in this playing um, like a very important role. Jillian Jacobs, who is Britta from Community, is uh, another superhero. Jason Mantzoukas uh, playing himself, as far as I can tell, with superpowers because <laughs> he's <laughs> hilarious, um, is is in it. You've got – I mean there are – Zachary Quinto has a pretty major role. Kari Payton. You have a huge amount of Walking Dead stars in this, frankly. You've got uh, – Ross Marquand plays like four different people. Um, Mark Hamill, Clancy Brown plays multiple characters. I love actually, the Clancy Brown. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you're looking at the um, IMDb list for this, any of the characters with an ellipsis next to their name means that they play multiple characters. So J.K. Simmons is multiple people. Mm. Jillian Jacobs is. Mantzoukas. Um, It just goes on and on. Seth Rogen. Uh, Michael Dorn. Worf from Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, John Hamm, Nicole Byer from <laughs> Nailed It, which <laughs> I love that show. Lauren Cohen, uh, Jeffrey Donovan, which who was in that um, Extinction, I think it was called, that zombie movie we, we watched yep. about the guys in the winter. It was pretty bad. Michael Cudlitz, uh, it just, it's a Jimon Hansu, who was like a a Kree warrior, I think, in, in the Guardians of the Galaxy. And he's been in other things. Nequa Martin Green, Lenny James, Ezra Miller, The Flash. Uh, it, I, I have to stop because I could just keep reading names, but it is so much fun to watch this show and listen 
and be like, wait, I, I know who that is. Like Mahershal Ali is in the in the episode that came mm-hmm. out this week, very centrally featured. And I don't know how they did it. Maybe it's just because of COVID and it was like easy to get people to go to a sound studio where they could be, you know, distant and, and still be awesome. Yeah. But major props. Well, look, I think that he's got a lot of people that buy into the stuff that he does. And I do think that may be much more successful because uh, the COVID restrictions, especially with like voice work, is it's so much easier to do that than obviously do live action stuff. So yeah, um, maybe people were just like, hey, this seems like a fun thing to do. But I think also it seems like a really fun project. So um, if you get to go and do this stuff um, with all these amazing people, I think probably worth it. Um, and look, there's as we've seen, there's a lot of Hollywood that has slowed down or stopped um, in terms of productions. Like it's been like, yeah, things are starting to move along and they've been sort of limping along, but it definitely is not at the same level it was. So you, I mean, I think that's why you see so many actors doing all these crazy little weird, strange side projects or or cameos and things you would never expect them in before. So yeah, um, but I'm okay with that. I'm I'm definitely on board. So I think that this is like super like just a, a positive thing. So um, so I can't wait to watch it, but I am gonna wait till things are are more moving forward because I do personally like the like the bingey thing myself um yeah but so there's five episodes out now and I don't know how long the season's gonna be but I I can I definitely give this two thumbs up beyond the cast to the story and to seeing Robert Kirkman kind of do his thing yeah all right well look, cool I look forward to it and we can talk about this later maybe and possibly review it even though it's not technically you know related to our thing but I don't mind it um and then um, the not shockingly, the reviews in terms of The Walking Dead um, rebounded because of the Here's Negan uh, season ender, which I don't think is shocking to anybody because he's such a fan favorite. Um, and I, I, I mean, do. But so are Daryl and Carol. So like they hated, they hated thirty one percent. I think it even went down a percentage point from last time we talked. Right, about but it there was to, already, to but there was also a Carol and Daryl episode earlier so i think maybe that's part of why and this one didn't actually show them together for the most part so i think that that's part of the issue because people like daryl and carol together they don't like them separately necessarily so there's more there's more zombie killing action in here's negan but that that one definitely bounced back with 91 percent i think on rotten tomatoes uh even our pal over at, at forbes thought it was good saying it was the best one uh, of the extended batch, maybe the best one in years. Yeah. So that's, you know, I definitely give, I love that episode. And I think, I think the other, the other part of it though, is that Negan's story has, you know, they've given us little like tantalizing little tiny details that, you know, they then wove into this story for him. And I think that they did a really good job with showing a lot more of him. And I think people were excited to see that. So even just with the title, I think you would probably have fans tuning in, you know, because it's Negan. Um, But um, in any case, uh, let's see what else. Um, There was just a couple of silly things, not to get into it, but there was this like really weird listicle from Screen Rant about which Breaking Bad characters would would most rating them most to least likely to survive a zombie apocalypse what I thought was really strange um, I, say, I kind of agree with the with their choices I agree I mean, with their it's, choices it's a little surprising how far 
down the list Walter White is. But yeah, like it's interesting. So uh, so I thought that that was just kind of an odd thing to throw in here. Um, and I was like, oh, this is a strange thing to, to end up as a listicle, but okay. Um, and then um, there was an article which um, I had actually, I didn't see anything about this film anywhere, but I think maybe something to review later. As you know, like I, I kind of like some of these efforts um, in terms of... Um, like international zombie films. And this one is actually um, in like in Malaysia, I think. Um, and I did you, had you heard about this film before? Because I hadn't really seen anything about it. No, this this feels pretty uh, regional. Yeah, it's called it's basically called um, the translation is fight for life zombie infection. Um, and I'm probably destroying this pronunciation, but um, in Malaysian, like I do, this language, it's Belaban Hidup Effexi Zombie. <laughs> but it's um, but apparently it's getting some accolades, though it's very low budget. So I think we've got to sort of manage our expectations in terms of this. But um, similar to, to like uh, Blood Quantum, the director basically used... Um, a lot of, of locals, um, and it's an independent film um, that basically they um, they really tried to use people who lived in the area, and um, the director is Malaysian Chinese, and his name is uh, Ray Lee, um, and they basically had this whole, it's like a whole self, self-supported um, project, so I'm curious to see what it is. Um, and they basically, you know, they're dealing with a lot of the issues that are happening um, in their area, which is, you know, and I, I also, I guess the the Maori uh, TV show we watched also had had some of, you know, the, again, they use like locals and people from the from the different from the tribes um, and tried to have this like a, a pretty um, self-supported um, project. Although this, I think, is obviously a smaller budget than that project because that was, you know, picked up by a. Uh, network. Um, and so this is getting some accolades. It, it, it was submitted to uh, St. Impor's, uh, like a film festival there. Um, and then in a couple of other, I think St. Petersburg. So um, I think my, who knows how, how good it is, but it might be worth just to watch. And I always like to see different takes on this uh, particular theme. Um, so, uh, this will be pretty bad, but it'll be interesting to watch. And I do see the, uh, the parallels with the deadlands. Um, although I think the production level is going to be a little lower than that show. Right. Um, and so they were using a lot of members of uh, the Iban uh, tribe and, uh, the director's wife is, I believe a member of that tribe. So, um, so it's, you know, curious, curious to see what it, what it has to say. I like the accolades coming out right now and I think definitely worth taking a peek at it. Um, so we'll add this to the list for later. Um, but, you know, it's kind of cool to see these little projects coming out. And I, I get really happy when I see these sort of self-starting projects getting accolades in different film festivals. And granted, like horror film festivals have a different thing. And they solidly rate this as like a B horror film. So I think, again, manage expectations. But um, I think it's kind of cool to see what people do. And especially um, it's interesting to see when you have like these, um, when it's filmed in like certain areas and just the, the kind of things that that bring to it. Um, sort of like, you know, with Blood Quantum when they were, we when they were, um, filming on like tribal lands and, and things like that. I just think it's kind of a nice, um, it's a nice thing to see what that adds to the film. So let's see, let's see what happens with that. Um, and then 
I think that was, uh, there was, was there one more? That's it. Okay, cool. That's it. We got all the way, that's a lot of news, so. Yep. All right. We'll have to talk about the episode now. And before we do, we do need to warn you that there is a character death, a cast member death on, well, not cast members, <laughs> a character death yeah. in this episode of Fear the Walking Dead. So if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want it to be spoiled, uh, listen stop. to this after. Yes. Um, and let me, let me just say, like, seriously, if you really don't like spoilers, this is the time to just pause and then, uh, Listen later after you watch it. So, um, all right. So with that, with that big spoiler alert, let, let's let's jump in. And um, I can now say, like, I, this was a very hard episode for me to watch. I'm this still, I'm still upset about it. So, and we should be. And we'll, it'll be interesting to find out because it'll come out eventually. If Garrett Dillahunt was like, ah, I've had it. I, I want to get off the show. He's done two, three seasons, uh, or if this was just something that organically Goldberg and Shambliss came up for with his character. His character right. has always been a little too good, a little too nice for The Walking Dead. Okay, so I will admit that sort of the turn that they took with his character, I thought that there might be some interesting things that they were going to do, and we've seen the fact that his um, morality and his um, his view of the world has changed, and especially it changed um, once he joined Ginny's community and the things that he saw, um, it really hurt his soul. Um, and I thought we would, we might see an adjustment there and we have seen that mentally he was definitely in a bad way, um, and just couldn't take it anymore and does what, you know, I think most people would do is that they go to what they know. And for him, his sort of place to hide out and place to, um, I was hoping recover, um, yeah, was his little, was his little cabin. Um, and when we left him, you were like, oh, and so he's going to go back to his cabin and just get his head right. Yeah. Like, that's that what is, I was hoping. That's the quote from H.A. Conrad <laughs> from the last time we saw, we that's, saw John a, that's what I was hoping. Um, and I also thought, you know, I'll, I'll admit that I thought that June would probably go after him there. So I, it took a slightly different turn than I was anticipating yeah. on that, on, on that, that front. So, you know, we go back to the, it was the like second it was two episodes ago in the show's chronology when it was tank. The tank town episode is when they split up at the end of that episode. Right. And you're like, why is June making this decision? She's choosing like her quote unquote career over her relationship. Well, not even, not even her career, but like uh, her, she's throwing her lot in with somebody she knows that she can't trust who she's seen. Very clear in this episode because she's in jail, right? Right. It's like, Oh, you're in hospital. So I just, knowing how June, all the things that June has gone through and where she is with John and who John is to her. I just, again, and this, uh, like this will be my big critique of this episode in general um, or this storyline in general with with June and John is that I, this is the thing I dislike so much about like I think Angela Kang wouldn't do it with these characters if she was running the show and this is my issue is that you build up these characters you set certain th- like things with them you take them on these journeys and then suddenly you're you like say oh no that's not how it is just because you want the storyline to go a different way and so that does bother me because I don't believe that June wouldn't go after him 
And I definitely don't believe that she would go and decide to set up these things with Ginny um, if she knew that John was suffering as much as he was. Like, this is just something that, to me, is the antithesis of their relationship, and I don't believe it. And this I do find extraordinarily frustrating. And but, insult to injury, we never even get to see this hospital that she has right. coerced Virginia into agreeing right. to let her run at the, uh, at the Tank Town episode when she saves Virginia's life. You don't even get to see the reward that, in theory, Virginia was seriously intending to give her. Right. The and only like the only potential flash of that we get in this episode is June is very comfortable, like kind of slapping Virginia around later at the yep. cabin, even though she's been a prisoner. She's just kind of like she and Virginia are alone. And I thought that scene was actually kind of hilarious. And, yeah. and I put that down to probably. Oh God! Oh, what's the actor's name who plays Virginia? Um, oh God! I just think of her as the one from. Uh, it's Minifee, but I've, uh, Colby. Yeah, Minifee. She. Kind of, I think she does a great job, and uh, like, still kind of holding on to her authority, but also being a little bit like, uh, "Don't hurt me! <laughs> like, don't yeah. slap me around anymore, June. You, you are a terrifying lady." So I kind of, I'm hoping that they can develop that. I don't know a little more. Uh, because at the end of this episode, I'm also not sure how bad Virginia is as a baddie. She might be the the better sibling. I'm not sure. Well, it's anymore. it's tough to know. Well, so there. So we'll get into all this. But that again, like with with June and I liked I did like that scene between them because I did think it shows something. But again, this this leads me to think. Well, why would June have ended up in a jail cell anyway with this person? I don't like putting to the cell by this person. I don't believe it. I just don't buy that this is how things would go. Um, not because of Ginny, but just because it just doesn't feel right. Like and. My biggest thing about why I really hate this particular storyline or hate what they did with it is because John Dory flat out told June, I'm in like a really bad way. Like Mm -hmm. I am suffering. I am, I don't know where I am and I am, I need to get away or I'm going to die. And it isn't even like that was a mystery, like he was suffering in silence. It was very clear that he was in a bad way. (laughs) Like he flat out says it to her and she's going to be like, oh, now let's go and do this thing. We got to do this thing and build it. It'll be great. Like, I don't believe it. I'm not looking forward to the self-recrimination that she's going to have to go through. And and in the Andy Goldberg uh, epilogue, he talks about how it's going to have ramifications for her character. I'm like... God, we just got past her like beating herself up for the death of her daughter forever. Right. Now, now she's going to be in the same situation because she uncharacteristically ignored her right. spouse. So that's so this thing just so just to put the set the table on that. This is how I feel about that. So um and I agree the minute I saw this happen I was like, "Ugh, we're going to have to go down that path again with June. Come on. This just seems to be like we're retraining some ground there." Um, maybe they'll find a new way to to do it or she'll just go into a rage place instead of that like Well, and we oh, already I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bad group member. I'm well, always going to try to run away. But we also know that she's kind of a badass and I think she will be in a rage like revenge place. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, but I do, you know, so so that criticism aside, I still love Garrett Dillahunt. I love John Dory. Um, He's great in this episode. I do think oh that, gosh. like, if I, if I disagree with what they did with June and John, I do, he is acting totally char- characteristically of him, which is that, you know, he went to his cabin, 
he's in he's trying to figure out what to do and he is in such a bad place that you know he's basically trying to commit suicide but yet it's kind of like this weird thing where he can't do it and he keeps taking out walkers mm-hmm. um which again the gunfire is going to attract more and more so i don't necessarily yeah. agree with that part of it but why doesn't he own a knife like yeah, i kept just... asking myself this during this episode he's like he's using his guns and he's awesome with guns and i love the fact that he's so great with guns but he keeps using them instead of a knife when he could use a knife, even just to like when they kill the ranger later, he uses his pistol to do right. the uh, the headshot instead of just the stabby stab. Right. It's kind of strange. Very confusing to me. And I'm also like, oh, I forgot to talk about this in the news. But, you know, the whole timeline thing that happened during ne- here's Negan. Yep. Uh, the fandom wiki did update their timeline to add two years to, <laughs> to huh. the timeline, or at least a, a few hundred more days. I think it was. I think it does basically equal out to two years. And they were. Um, there's some interesting stuff in the in the notes there, but I'm on the timeline topic. I'm like, all right, so we are basically contemporary uh, contemporaneous with the Walking Dead Prime. That show is out, has been out of guns, maybe just because of the uh, the Savior War. But that show's been out of guns for at least a season yeah. and a half. And yeah. yet everybody seems to have guns and lots of ammo still in uh, the Pioneer, the Key Club, whatever their name is in this community and, and in this part of Texas. Maybe because it's Texas. Maybe because it's Texas. Who knows? And maybe because they've been able to scavenge more. But yeah, they, they, again, this whole group, everybody seems to have an inordinate amount of ammo. Um, so I don't know. It's it's. That's kind of a weird thing. Agree with you on that point. Um, actually, when this first ep- when this episode opened up with you know him in his cabin, I actually was really scared that he was going to be able to do the deed, and then that was going to be all sorts of weird stuff happening with this episode. So I am happy. What a weird start to an episode. Yeah, like, like I was just like, oh god, what are they going to do? And then you know, and they, I will say, they really played the audience pretty well in this episode because you're so relieved that he hasn't done this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is the threat of that kind of hanging over the head of everybody during this entire episode because even though he has not succeeded in doing this and even though we see some glimmer of light um he keeps you basically telling don't. he he keeps telling everybody hey i'm just gonna help you it's kind and of like kill myself well i was gonna say it's like the dread pirate roberts of uh suicide <laughs> here sadly or suicide threat where he's just like all right i'm gonna help you with this but most likely i'll kill myself in the morning um so and it's you know and i'm not making light of suicide by any means um i just think that he continue he's continuing to remind everybody of where his head is which yeah again it's weird because because every time Morgan like does a very persuasive speech to him where he's like, I'm only alive because of you and we're going to stay together and we're going to work it out. And then the speech ends. I'm like, maybe he's maybe he's changed his mind. And then next, you know, one half a scene later, John's like, well, OK, once I get you guys on your way, uh, I'm just going to go take care of my uh, my thing. And yeah. It's, wow. And it's. And well, and the thing I do like about that, though, is because, you know, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if you've ever dealt with depression or, or whatever, but people who are really suffering from depression or from this crisis of, of faith or have like mental, mental health issues, um, there are so many things going on and no matter like sometimes no matter what's going on, it's hard to drag yourself out of that hole. And, and, you know, I've definitely dealt with dealt with episodes at different points. I think everybody has, um, depending on what's going on. Um, and I do think that that is a really good, honestly, a pretty good, um, 
uh, portrayal of what it is like so that, you know, even though he's now been reunited with this friend who means so much to him and that friend is reminding him of all of the things that are important to him, he's still finding that he's struggling. Um, and, you know, he is conveying to people that he is struggling. He's not just being quiet about it. Um, so I actually did like that about this episode where that he, he is very open about his struggle. And I, and I do think, um, that that is, you know, a realistic thing where he is basically like, look, I am trying so hard. Uh, like, and, and he does have a lot of things that, are going on with him and, and you know the old John Dory or the John Dory we initially met would have put a lot of weight on the fact that it's Morgan that shows up because Morgan he saved Morgan so um I do think that that's significant that he is sort of I wouldn't say brushing aside but that he is basically still feeling the same way he is despite the fact that Morgan has showed up um, it just shows you like in what a very dark place he is, which is, you know, it's hard to watch, but I feel like Garrett Dillhunt does a fantastic job at portraying that struggle. Um, yeah. So. And it, it, yeah, it's just, it, that makes it more, all the more bittersweet because you, and you do see this silver lining of him not being able to go through with it. And, you know, his words are, might be saying one thing, but his actions say right. another, which is that he keeps not doing it. He keeps helping Morgan and uh, and Dakota. Right. And um, in, in, a, in a parallel sort of, I don't know, I just thought that this was a real strong acting episode yeah. between Lenny James and D- Garrett Dillahunt. And, right. um, oh, Lord, what's her name? The actor who plays Dakota. Dakota is Colette something. Yeah. Uh, Coletti. Coletti. Uh, but so Lenny James, though, is doing an amazing job of acting his injury because uh, he shows up at the beginning yep. of this episode or not quite the beginning. But once Garrett gets back to his old like haunt of that bait and tackle shop and gas station and Morgan, his wound has opened up. I don't, it's been months. It's been maybe seven months because Grace is seven months pregnant. I don't know how, how long maybe it's been. Uh, it's been multiple months, though, since uh, the end of the last season when he was, when he received that wound mm-hmm. and he, he, uh, he's doing, it's opened up and he's having trouble with it, but like he has a lot of scenes in this, in this episode where he is doing a great job of portraying just how crippling that injury is. Right. And I kind of really enjoyed that performance today. Yeah, no. And, and I think that it was good because his sort of level of injury does force John Dory to basically continue to play this role to help him, uh, despite the other things that he's feeling. And it does like, even if for a few moments yanks him out of his, uh, depression. Um, and so, and it forces him to interact with both of him. Like no matter, you know, no matter how he's feeling, he still has that John Dory, um, sort of, uh, like prime directive, which is I'm going to help people. Um, be so, a good dude. um, and you know, so, and I do like the fact, cause you know, we've also seen Morgan in this place and in this dark place. So I do like the, this, the, the acting between these two and the connection between these two is very clear. And I enjoyed yeah, that. And great. I thought that this was, um, this was a great episode for that reason. And it's, uh, it's Zoe Coletti. That's who it, Zoe yeah. Coletti. Um, and so let's in, talk a little bit about, uh, the scene where, Ooh, where Virginia reveals to John and Morgan, well, to Morgan, that she has people in, in prison. Um, yeah. We have in, so, the, in the cell, we've got, I everybody. wrote it all down. We've got everybody. Not everybody. No, oh, absolutely no, no, no. not everybody. This is my point. She's got Sarah, Wes, Daniel, June, Luciana, and Grace. 
she uh, Strand is standing outside the jail cell because he's, he's the yep. jailer. He's the yep. cop. He's he's the the bad. Yeah. Uh, not included in this are any of these new characters who nope. we're supposed to care about from the the convoy, mm-hmm. the, the rabbi, uh, the Tara, the lady who lived in the landmine house. Yep. Um, any of the kids who showed up for half of this last season. Yep. Like there, what? Where are all these other people? Who we were supposed to care about. Wes is the only like new character, and he wasn't part of the convoy really, and he didn't really stick around with that group until the end of the season. Right. And so I'm like, so she has, how has she chosen this group of people, or maybe Strand has, and he just knows that these are people that that Morgan's going to care more about, even though they don't all get a chance to speak. In fact, none of them Mm-mm. get a speaking role except June, <laughs> except June and Grace, and Grace only talks for like. Uh, so it was it was a little uh, yeah I'm curious how this is going to keep going I mean in the promotional material for this season there have been you know there were headlines like oh Fear the Walking Dead is going to have its own season six type lineup of of the Prime show right uh, so we'll see what where that goes but it is highly suspicious and weird and and an, an example of Shambliss and Goldberg's really mm. patchy story running Yep. That, that they're just like, okay, yeah, these six people are the ones. And none of these other like, dozens of characters that we made everybody like. Well, I mean, look, I think that that it could be their, their weird storytelling, certainly, but I think some of it may also be COVID restrictions, but also, and yet also there's a lot of people. There are a lot of people. However, I also think that, you know, one of the sort of criticisms or one of the things that we've seen is that, you know, they expanded this sort of group of important characters so much that it's, it is definitely hard for people to keep them straight. So I think we can assume that they just sort of narrowed it down a bit and maybe those people will make an appearance later. But for the most part, I think we have to assume that Strand handpicked the people that Morgan would care about the most here. At least that's what I told myself in my head. Although I had all the same (laughs) arguments that you're bringing up. I'm like, this is kind of weird that these are the only people that he picked, but. And this cast um, definitely has needed some deaths for, for at least a season and a half too. And that's something that we talked about last, uh, you know, we've we've been talking about on on previous. Basically, it's like a Shambliss and Goldberg problem: is that they kill off the wrong people. It's right. like, and they do it in a stupid way. I mean, not it wasn't that easy with Nick, I guess, because um, you know he wanted off the show. But the whole Madison Clark thing. Oh God! There are still rumors of her coming back on. The God, show. I hope she comes back. That would be amazing because I love it her. It would be really weird, but yeah. It would be weird, but I kind of like the idea of it. So I'm going to hold out. I'm going to hold the torch for that one. Hold mm-hmm. the torch up. Hopefully it won't get extinguished. Um, she and June will just be best friends. Yep. Um, but in any case, um, uh, I will say that the walkie-talkie like crutch again, mm. I was like, oh, God, are we going to do this again? And let's again talk about how walkie-talkies don't have quite the range that everybody thinks. So you'd have to be like, it just, they happen to work at the right points in time, at the, the key but points, not but not work at other points in time. And I was like, Ugh. but at least they didn't go down that road too much in this. There was just a couple of moments. Um, and again, it was just to set up, um, first of all, that they knew where John Tory is. Secondly, that um, there's a place and you know, Morgan uses this as a tool to basically um, kind of trap John Dory into or force him to help them because he outs where his little cabin is. Again, 
he gives pretty vague instructions about where the cabin is. So it's like the fact that they're even able to find it. I mean, obviously they have June, but um, it just, John Dory is like, oh man, you're such a jerk for adding my cabin hideout. And um, and he, you Marcus know. Marcus found it, no problem. Yeah, but it's just like, okay, whatever. But so there are some convenient things that they do here that I just don't think are, are super, just wouldn't necessarily happen. Um, but in any case, you do have the story between, Morgan and John and Dakota and John is going John is committed to getting them to where they need to go um they you know set up this whole thing where they fix up the car and this brings in the storyline and you hear a little bit more about John Dory and the struggle he had um with his father and his father's abandonment of them and how he feels like maybe he is his dad and reliving some of those same issues um and look maybe Maybe that is a part of it, and it does seem like his dad maybe had some, um, maybe had some similar things happening in his head. Well, and do you remember they brought this up at the first half of the season that his dad had planted evidence to get a guy yeah, convicted, and, and John was like, "And that was the right way to do it." And I was like, "Nope, mm, that's nope, nope, that does not check out." Nope, it doesn't, and certainly doesn't check out with John either, right? So it shouldn't have, but that was my point. Yeah, yeah no. And and so there's things like that going on that are also sort of ruminating there um, and inform how he's figuring out the rest of the episode or how he's acting in the rest of the episode. Um, and then you do have um, and again, like these are the these are the storytelling pieces that that do drive me a little bit crazy because you've got Morgan and John who are probably some of the most seasoned um, zombie killers in this entire universe um in my opinion um they're i mean look they're 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 right up there with like michonne and others and daryl and all that and i don't think that their sort of plan to sort of have this weird ram thing go through this there are not that many walkers on that bridge there's enough that they could just sort of let them through and just easily kill them i don't know that they need to do this with the truck um were you bothered by that because i was super bothered by this whole thing even though it said, and maybe it's because they couldn't really, again, because of COVID, maybe they weren't allowed to have that many zombie extras hanging out. Um, but I don't buy that this is how that they would go about things because it seems like kind of an ill-fated plan, no? So, sorry, what, which is the part that you didn't like about this? Because I thought this scene was badass. No, I thought the scene was badass, but like when they show sort of the number of walkers, they keep talking about a herd. It doesn't, I mean, yeah, it's like oh. a significant number, but enough that I think they could probably have dispatched them. I know uh, more. wounded Morgan. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Anyway, I just was like a little annoyed at it because I just was, was just, it felt like an un, unnecessary thing, but... Again, my, I thought my my uh, continuity issue with the scene other uh, is really just that uh, Dakota tells John Dory that she learned to drive on her dad's six speed in the church parking lot on Sundays. If they are twelve years into the apocalypse, Zoe Coletti is nineteen years old in right, real life. The right. actor is nineteen. Uh, the nobody really knows how old Dakota is. Mid to late teens is what people guess. She was she was like nine years old or seven years old at the very oldest. Right. I had the same problem, and I'm like, "What I'm were like, you driving exactly?" That's and crazy to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that was my only like real continuity. Issue. I mean, I feel like with this twelve year time lapse thing, they have they really all need to be on the same page with this because I'm I I have a feeling 
that I'm not alone in trying to nope, keep track feels, of what's going on here. It feels a little strange that they did that. And, you know, I could see a dad putting his kid on his lap, but the kid's not going to be changing the gears, you know? There's so. tons of cars in their community. It, it, she could have just as easily said, oh, yeah, Ranger Joe lets me drive sometimes. Right. Like, and this is, have- again, this is <laughs> this is the patchy storytelling piece where they're definitely trying to draw a paternal link between Dakota and John. Um, sure. where, you know, they're bonding over this. They're both talking about their fathers, Dude, that kind of thing. Scene, he is, he's like giving her little pep talks as they're driving through the zombies. I, that's one of the things I loved about this scene. Like Morgan is, uh, Lenny James is acting up his injuries so well, but still doing like kick-ass Morgan stuff. John is, is like everywhere doing everything and being amazing. I love the scene for all of that. Um, and so it was, it makes it all the more, uh, yeah painful at the end of the scene obviously. yeah yeah um so i like the bonding between them i just again it's just to me these are little easy storytelling tweaks that they could have made uh, you're right because i had the this same is what re- scott gimple's job is isn't it yeah like, and it's like overarching story and it's stuff? the same and it's the same reaction i had when she was telling the story i was like man she must have been like five or six or something you know like i was just like this kid must have been so like this doesn't even make sense like you could have even said that one of the rangers sneakily helped her practice or something or that this was some weird thing that Ginny did with her even honestly um like i just think that that was that was sort of an odd thing um but again um like Garrett Dillhunt is just a phenomenal actor. I think she's a great actor, too, and their bond and their interactions here were phenomenal. So despite the weird storytelling glitchiness, I think that this made sense to me, and I believed that they were bonding, and I believed that there was a connection there. Um, And she saves him. And um, again, well, we'll talk about this in a minute when we get to the really serious part of this whole episode. But there's a moment where he goes out to repair um, the the <laughs> car and she basically saves him because she shoots a zombie and she seems super scared to do it like oh I've never done this before and if we go into the future this is clearly not the case or that she's got some things going on so um, where she has been somewhat of a chameleon and she is a different person than she's been sort of that we've been seeing. And I think this was, yeah. art, this was somewhat artfully done, but I don't believe yeah. she would have been shocked at being able to kill a zombie at this point. And right? I think we need to go back and look at the other way, other episodes that she's been in. She's always so sweet and, mm-hmm. Oh, you gotta watch out because somebody, you know, Virginia's hiding something and I'll be here to help you. And Oh, I'm just an eager kid. Yep. And, Maybe it is too artful in its execution when when the uh, the you know the big reveal that she is actually a multiple offender murderer at yep. this point. Certainly by the end of this episode, she is. And uh, that and her first if it's her first kill against um, Cameron was with a knife. She stabbed a dude. Right. Like, so I don't <laughs> just I just don't think she would have been that shocked that she killed off a walker. Right. Yeah. So even even if you're being artful about it. I think it's kind of hard to mimic that. So I thought that was kind of odd. Um, but, you know, and I do think that they're trying to draw some similarities. Like, remember when we saw Charlie? Like, we got Charlie and we saw that Charlie was being duplicitous, even much younger than this. Mm. Um, and this was how she was introduced to the group. And I think that maybe, um, you know, we've got some, you know, I, I think that they are drawing some parallels. And then this is a very, very different character from Charlie. 
Um, but she's got a, way more in common with Lizzie, right? Yep, than, yep. than Charlie. So um, I definitely was asked, thinking in my head, Morgan, please tell her to look, look at the at flowers. Look at the flowers. Same thing. I was like, oh, this is not going to go a good way. And the other thing is, is that, um, you know, we get to the point where she's basically and I did I liked how all this was revealed um you know earlier in the episode she was asking about the the sort of piece of evidence and um John mm-hmm. Dory owns up John to has just taken it with him to his cabin for right. some reason it, it's odd that she would have picked up it's kind of a small thing so it's you know but maybe somebody who was involved with it would have seen it and then when the truth is revealed it is good like the the acting between them and the sort of betrayal on John's face and the hurt and the confusion is just he but is then such he a, reels it in so well yeah. you know Garrett Dillahunt's like oh what you're the murderer oh i've cracked the case oh you're a bet wait okay bring it back <laughs> yeah. i don't want to kill myself you don't want to kill me this is going right. to be fine We're like and he's trying together. to reason Maybe with her i also but again here's the thing john dory is yes um, he, he ultimately is seeing the lining here. He's going to try to bring her in. I don't believe she would have been able to shoot him this easily. I just don't. And mm-hmm. her uh, body language is really good in this scene where she kind of goes all like on her tiptoes and like mm-hmm. bouncing back and forth. Like he needs to read that body language and be like, all right, this is fight or flight. She's yep. not thinking like reason. I don't think, and no. I think that was actually a good piece of performance by uh, Zoe Coletti. There. Yeah, no, and I think she was phenomenal. Um, I just think that John Dory is so skilled, and even though he wants to see the good in people, he's really good at reading that body language, and I just he, don't... He's At this point, he's also like willing to... He's not trying to die. Mm-hmm. He's not like trying to do suicide by by criminal. Yeah. But he's also... There's no there's no way he's gonna hold a gun on, on uh, Dakota. No. Right? Like, um, just, but I also that's don't not think... Even an option I think he could have... Um, I think he could have dodged it basically or jumped over or something. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, as you know, I'm just trying to save the character even though it's already happened. But like... Oh, yeah. But, she, but that's not what happens. She shoots him and then we get this like horrible tragic thing where he he basically is like and there's this whole thing that his father had said it's never too late basically and he finds that never too late sadly at the bottom of a riverbed as he's like kind of bleeding out um and they a little more on this wound that he's got yeah which also after she shoots him she like kind of calmly pushes him over the edge of the bridge to fall into the river um he has almost exactly the same wound that morgan had yep and it's not in his chest it's like a little well i guess it is it is it is but it's not like it's yeah and i think that that's not a mistake that he's got the same wound as morgan and then that's why we're like oh maybe he'll pull through i know and and he's on like a little board and i mean even at that point i'm like june's gonna have to find him on the riverbed it just wasn't what i was hoping for um and then you know and then we have morgan and i was like oh is she gonna get away with this I thought she right. was. I thought Morgan she was, walks up right as she's like li- lining up another shot on, uh, <laughs> on poor, poor John, yeah. poor John as he's floating down river. And so I was really glad that she didn't get away with it, and Morgan yeah. didn't have to hear some BS story about how he finally killed himself on the bridge after their big victory. Well, that's what I thought she was going to do. I also thought maybe she was going to say a Walker bit him, and she was forced to do something or whatever. But that's not what happens. And and so Morgan quickly gets like the the actually he gets the whole big reveal. He knows exactly what has happened here. Yeah. And at this point, I'm like, well, dude, why not just hand her over to her sister and wash her hands of it? And her sister's. Sli- clearly been like protecting a little psychopath um 
I mean, John uh, Morgan has also kind of said during this episode, like maybe not all life is precious right now. So he's kind of also completely come away. And we knew this from his transformation earlier this season. Right. But he's come away from his uh, his philosophy uh, that, you know, nonviolence is or non-fatal violence is, is his thing. He's, he's like, yeah, you know, maybe in the next life. Yeah, he's like, maybe he's like, it's not it's not what we wanted, but it'll still be good. But we have to like come to some kind of understanding that we're going to have to deal with these like bad situations. And And so I was half expecting him to just take it, take that shot, take care of it. She has killed his best friend. He just said in the last scene that he was in. With with John Dory, you're my best friend, and I'm here to save you. But he also she, she brings up very quickly that basically the only reason oh, that God. Grace and them are alive, and he knows it. Um, so, and let's say I think we also have to save her her comeuppance for June because I think that's clearly going to happen. Um, yeah, I think we'll it has she, to happen. She goes Carol or or a different direction. Um, and <laughs> and she, the other major revelation, or at least speech we get from Dakota, is that she's the one who saved him and patched him up i call bullshit i call bullshit on that too yep no way she knows enough about his little origin story or you know second or third origin story depending on if you're keeping track it she knows enough about it she's seen the note she can memorize those words and he doesn't know any of the details (laughs) that he hasn't already blurbed you know blabbed out to everybody so i think that she is probably not the person who patched up uh, Morgan, it's like I don't know. I don't remember how far it is from the Gulch to the town that they live in. It, it, she would have needed a car, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't so buy. I'm, I'm thinking. I that. think she knows enough. And again, he's blabbed to so many people about it. He's been with her on the road. She's had enough access to. Like, I just mm-hmm. think that. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I don't. There's no way that she's the one who patched him up. Um, but again, it's like I'm like, oh wow, uh, they're making Dakota the big bad in all of this, and suddenly Jenny seems kind of mild by comparison. Um, and really? you know, and and but I will say that the the and now we have you know Morgan trying to figure out what the heck he's going to do with with his little Dexter, um, and you know, or I guess not Dexter because Dexter has some weird ethical things, but um, with what he does. Although I guess you could argue that I think Dakota feels like she's got reasoning for doing this and basically nah, saying she killed Cameron because he was inconveniencing her. Yeah, I mean, agreed. and that's the thing that John Dory is like incredulous. incredulous with her about he's like wait what yeah (laughs) come on now yeah exactly and um but so so we leave that scene and then we go into the whole cabin thing where again conveniently walkie-talkie time um morgan basically breaks the bad news and and june is beside herself and everybody's looking for john dory um and i will say that the the sort of reveal when june finds him they they do tear at your heartstrings because you think that maybe maybe he's still potentially alive and then when the whole Walker reveal reveal happens with John Dory my heart broke into a thousand pieces because I really just love Garrett Dillant and I didn't want him to leave the show um, yeah. and it's again there's a symmetry here because he had found June there so you oh, really yeah. want and- you really want June to be able to save him. And mm-hmm. for him, who was her salvation, to to die in this manner, and to die like for no honestly, there's really no good reason why he died here. Um, and you know, there, 
I do think that the the cinematography here was amazing. The slow mo when he's like grabbing at her wrist and Jenna Elfman's facial uh, expressions. It was Good amazing. Lord. It was amazing and really heartbreaking. And then she does what she has to do, and she she it's just awful though. Like it it really is, and it like just a terrible thing. Um, I do think that they're doing you know their best to honor the John Dory character and to you know just give him a fantastically dramatic exit, uh, which they did, but, um, Andrew Goldberg, uh, his his epilogue again, like the Angela Kang style. First of all, do you notice that he keeps all of his booze in his fireplace for some reason? Uh, Ian Goldberg. Yeah. 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 He's Ian. Yeah. No, it's Andrew Shambliss and Ian Goldberg. Son of a, okay. Sorry guys. That's all good. Uh, But he keeps all his booze in his fireplace, but he also, his quote, like, from his epilogue is like, no, he really could have helped out Dakota, but it just didn't work out. I know, and I'm like, no, I'm like, dude, no. That's not the right phrase to use there. Uh, that's what you say when, like, you're you're firing somebody, uh, not necessarily when, you know, your, your potential protege has murdered you. Yeah, and I mean, I was actually thinking, especially, like, after watching this ending, how hard it must have been for the cast, because... Uh, my sense is that Garrett Dillhunt is a fantastically um, like nice person, aside from being an amazing actor, and uh, so, you know he's definitely a fan favorite. But it, but I think that you know he's worked with this cast for for a while now, and he was such mm-hmm. a great addition. And I think it must be really hard to say goodbye to this cast member. And I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I don't think Jenna Elfman's expressions were necessarily <laughs> like acting because um, I think it's probably a hard thing to say goodbye to such an important character when you're on a show like this um and especially one that's been so such a big part of your character storyline um and so i am i am like a little bit worried he really is this character is truly like the heart of this show and i don't know where you go from here i don't know that there is any character that i like as much as the john dory character on the show and so i am a little bit concerned about where where we go and where we're gonna where the storyline is gonna go from here well luckily they can always just promote one of their extras with with occasional dialogue like uh, the (laughs) rabbi or Anybody else from the caravan who we just haven't seen in several seasons, like in a season and a half, and be like, all right, now you are the uh, moral compass of the group. Please oh, step but, up. But I, it's not just that, though. It's like it's like the Garrett Dillahunt sort of magic. I just don't know oh, that know. you got it's that charisma. That simple, when he entered the scene, every, like despite some of the storylines, things were so much improved when he was around. And while he was a little bit too... Um, Pollyanna sometimes um I do think that he added a depth to the show that was not there before and was asking the questions in a non-annoying way about like where this is gonna go um and so I'm really very very sad to bid him adieu that said I think uh we at least get to see him in some zombie action in in army of the dead at some point um so that'll be that's at least a nice thing. And I look forward to seeing he's got like a few different film projects, I think, going on right now. So maybe that is also why he went to exit, because he seems to have a lot going on. Um, and look, I think that this is, as we've said before, 
it's a really tough, like you, you, you kind of just have to be on the show. And so others who have tried to do other projects that have to take a hiatus. Um, so maybe, maybe that's what was going on. I look forward to seeing, uh, Garrett Dillhunt in many, many other things, but I will certainly miss him from this storyline. Absolutely. So, yeah, you're here. Um, uh, that, that kind of leads us to the end of this episode. <laughs> it was a really good one. So I will, you know, props to the sh- to the sh- uh, Shambliss and Goldberg as much as I never give them credit because, you know, season three and four, uh, <laughs> but or four, I guess four, five, and six. Um, yeah. <laughs> not three. Three was three was okay. Three was pretty good. Um, but yeah, this was a good episode. It's it's kind of hard to say like how this show is going to proceed because eight is usually where the mid season finale is. This is episode eight of season six. But it's the midseason premiere. And so uh, we'll see how the rest of the, the vibe goes. I think we're going to have a lot to unpack, obviously. Yeah, we'll have a lot to unpack and we'll have to see what happens. Um, oh, and I forgot we before we sort of go out, there was the one piece that we forgot to talk about, which is, you know, in addition to the walkie talking about about John, um, Morgan has also alerted his little group um, you know, the, like uh, to 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 tell them that he might be bringing the fight to them already. And again, God. this is they're not ready. They're nobody's ready with for anything here. So, um, so anyway, that is going to be an interesting thing to see. So I think we can see slightly where this is going to. I think the question is what you do with um what what do we do with Dakota is a good question. So, um, so I guess we'll see a little bit more how this plays out. Um, but. Also, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss Garrett Dillahunt. I really am. I'm so sad to see him go. And hopefully everybody else can pull up the slack. Um, I do have some, some faith in Jenna Elfman. I think it's going to hopefully be a really good storyline versus a tired one. Um, and we're going to see what happens here. Um, but, you know, I always like to see a lot more of her character too. So we'll see what happens with June. Um, but yeah, it's, this was this was a heartbreaker, but definitely a good episode w- worth watching. So I hope everybody enjoys it, and would love to hear what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, let us know. Get it, get us it on uh, Twitter, reanimated podcast, reanimated podcast at gmail and we'll have uh, links to all the news and, and various things we've been talking about on our show notes at reanimatedpodcast.com. So for now, until next time, when we pick up again with Fear of the Walking Dead, I will bid you adieu and ciao.